Okay, guys, I have been hinting about this for a while, so I am excited to finally share the details. On May 27th at noon, Eastern Standard Time, Darren and I are doing a live webinar for stepmoms and their partners to share our blueprint to improve your step family life. We are going to dive into it all. Our biggest challenges, lessons we've learned, how to set the foundation for step family success, boundaries, communication, dealing with the ex, keeping the intimacy alive. Like we are going to talk about everything. This is going to be live and it is going to be the best live webinar we have ever done. Seriously, Brent, my video guy is coming and he's going to use his fancy equipment and this is going to be legit. We would love to have you join. So if you want to sign up, head to www.jamiescrimger.com forward slash blueprint, and we're going to send you all the details. Now you will have access to this recording for a limited time afterwards. So if the time doesn't work for you, if you can't make it live, that is totally okay. You can catch the replay. You can watch it alone. You can watch it with your partner. But if you want to improve your relationships, change the vibe of your home, minimize step family stress, set some boundaries, or even disengage without being seen as the bad guy, this is the blueprint for you www.jamiescrimger.com forward slash blueprint. I will see you there. Welcome to the Kick-Ass Stepmom Podcast. I'm Jamie Scrimger, wife, mom, stepmom, life coach, conversation opener, and BS caller. Seven years ago, I found myself sitting on the bathroom floor with a glass of wine, bawling my eyes out, wondering what the heck I was thinking, marrying a man with three kids and an ex-wife. Don't get me wrong, I was madly in love, the kids were great, but as a 26-year-old with zero experience in the parenting department, I was in over my head. When I went to the internet for support, I was disappointed with what I found. So I decided to create the type of support that I was looking for. Raw and real conversations about all things motherhood, stepmotherhood, and living a kick-ass life. Life can be hard, really freaking hard, but each week I'll bring you tips and strategies and mindset shifts to help you thrive amongst the tough stuff in life. My goal is to inspire you to live your version of a kick-ass life. We'll bring you along as I create my own. Let's do this. Hello, hello. Welcome to the podcast. Guys, I'm pumped you're here. I'm pumped that it's podcast release day, and I am so pumped for you to hear this interview. Here's the deal. Sometimes you follow someone online or you feel like you know them from the media or, you know, you just Instagram, whatever, and you feel like you really, really know them. And then when you go and you do an interview with them or say you meet them in real life, you're kind of like, well, oh, that was not what I expected. Like they're not the same person as they are online in real life. And it's just super disappointing. I've had it happen a few different times. This episode was not what I expected but in the best possible way. Like this person just exceeded my expectations and was better in real life than she is online, which I think is obviously like, that's the goal for everyone, right? Like you just want to show up as your authentic self. And definitely she is that. So you are about to hear an interview I did with Heidi Powell. So Heidi is a trainer, a best-selling author, transformation specialist, a mom of four, She's a savvy businesswoman, an entrepreneur, a nutrition nut, an overall health guru, and she just does it all. You were probably introduced to Heidi when she worked side-by-side -side with her then-husband, Chris Powell, on ABC's hit show, Extreme Weight Loss. Such a good show. I love a good transformation story. 
And then in March 2017, Heidi and Chris launched their debut digital platform, Transform. And since then, their brand has evolved to include its own supplement line and meal replacement shakes and vitamins and more. Heidi is also the founder of a skincare line and has recently expanded her offerings to the personal development space, where she coaches thousands to transform their lives using her inside out approach. Yeah, Heidi literally does it all. She is a serious force, but that's not what we're going to talk about today. That is not what we are going to talk about today. Today, we talk about Heidi's personal life and her family, and we chat about her relationship with not one but two ex-husbands, who she still works with and has a phenomenal co-parenting relationship with. We talk about her views on divorce, her co-parenting philosophy, her advice for anyone going through divorce, and we also touch a bit on her new relationship with Dave Hollis and what her non-negotiable was for anyone she brought into her family's life. Guys, Heidi's energy is contagious, and this episode is going to tug on your heartstrings. It's going to leave you feeling inspired, and it's also going to make you want to check yourself in the best possible way. Now, before we dive in, I want to say thank you, because before I was recording this intro, I was going through all of the five-star reviews and ratings on iTunes, and I was left just feeling so grateful and so excited about this podcast. I just feel so lucky to be having such phenomenal and transformational conversations with God, like these kick-ass guests, like this, this podcast, I know I keep saying it, but it continues to blow my mind. So if you've left a review, if you've left a rating, thank you so much. It honestly means the world to me. And it really helps this show continue to grow and continue to evolve. And yes, thank you. Lastly, I want to know your big take home from this episode, because I know you're going to have them. It's so freaking good. So if something really resonates, share this with a friend, share it out on social, tag at Jamie Scrimger and at The Real Heidi Powell. We love hearing from you. Can't wait for you to hear it. Let's just, let's just dive right in. Let's get to it. All right, Heidi, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. You know, I am so excited to have you. I, you know, I was going through Instagram and stumble across your feed. I would say about six months ago, maybe more. You know, you just have such a contagious personality. And then when I started to dive into your feed, I was like, oh my gosh, this blended family dynamic. It is so aspirational and just I just love the way that you talk about your family. So I'm just excited to dive into that today. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. That's one of the best compliments I think I could, I could get something around yeah. family. So thank you. You're well, you're welcome. And thank you for, for chatting with us. So, you know what, before we really dive in, can you share for those who aren't familiar with you, which I don't think there are very many people who aren't at this point, but can you share a little bit about you and your family dynamic and and give us a little picture of your blended family, I guess? Yeah. So I am first a mother of four. Um, I have actually, and one, (laughs) I think a lot of people now know I have two ex-husbands, which is a little bit, um, it, it can be tough to juggle, but it's amazing. So I was married very early on, right out of high school, to um, the dad of my first two kids. And I think, you know, who who we are when in our 19, 18-year-old selves is very different than who we are in our 20s. And it was um, 
I was raised up in a highly religious community and, uh, you know, it was like get married early. You don't really recognize that marriage has an impact on the rest of your life. And so that marriage did not work out. Um, and after that I was, and I had dealt with a decade long eating disorder in the middle of that as well. Um, I actually found my best friend of the, at the time and next husband, Chris, at a self-improvement seminar. We were both kind of on a journey to make ourselves better. Um, he had just moved out of his car and he was kind of dealing, kicking a painkiller addiction himself and at a really low point. He was a big time dreamer. I was a doer. We came together knowing that we could do great things together. And we ended up starting a TV show called Extreme Weight Loss, Getting Married, that show ran on ABC for five years and we had two kids Such together. Such a good show. It, it, was, it was so good. Honestly, it, it wasn't even just, you know, it's like the being on TV part, great, awesome. But what we got to do every single day and the people that we got to work with and, you know, the change that we knew that we were making and a small part of was so awesome. And to get to do it with somebody um, our relationship, our marriage was more about the accomplishment that we made in this world more so than any kind of a husband wife relationship. Like we were, we were friends, we were best friends and we were on a mission to kind of change the world. And we did have two beautiful kids, which made four. And over time, you know, recently within about two years ago, Chris and I split because we realized that the expectation we were placing on ourselves to be husband wife was actually crumbling what we were really good at, which was being wonderful co-parents and wonderful business partners and friends. And our, you know, it, that toxicity started to seep into other areas of our relationship. And um, we decided to kind of gut the cancer, for lack of better words, and get rid of the part that wasn't serving us well and was halting us from serving the world and serving our kids at our best. And we split a couple years ago, are now divorced. And I have four beautiful kids with two actually great ex-husbands. Um, Derek, my first husband, works for me and Chris inside of our company, Transform. And they're really great friends. So it's almost too good to be true, <laughs> but it's true. So that is, that's our dynamic. And we have ups and downs. We're not perfect. I'll tell you that. But like we, for the most part, are like three siblings that fight and get make, we make up quickly. <laughs> mm -hmm. I love it. And so the you talk sometimes on your Instagram, you say the two dads, because you guys will do so many things together. We do. We do. And it hasn't always been that way. It took, I, there, when my first split with Derek was a little bit tougher because we were younger and it's hard when you're younger, not to let ego get in the way of what's best for the kids and also best for ourselves. We, we feel like we have points to prove and different things like that. It really took consistency and, and any new man coming into the life of an ex is really threatening. And Chris, thank goodness, is like the least threatening human on planet earth. He's so kind. He's such a good person. And so over time, you know, with consistency and just all of us kind of trying our best and dropping our ego, um, Derek started coming on vacations with Chris and myself. So when we would go on, you know, work trips or what it was something for the show, Derek would come with. And it really, we did create a really great relationship. Um, and we, we do a lot together. We also know that we need our space and we know we need our boundaries. So there will be times where I'll be with Chris more and then times where I'm with Derek more, but for the most part, we all get along very well. That is so great. And 
You know, you posted a photo on Instagram recently and there were, you guys were all there. There's the kids there. It was just like everyone, right? And, you know, four kids is a lot of kids. We have four kids here and there's a lot going on. Uh, But you said that this type of co-parenting relationship is about loving your kids fiercely enough to check your ego and thicken up your skin. Can you dive into that a little bit for me? Yeah. I mean, it, it is so easy. And I, I say it's easy because I am guilty of it. Derek's guilty of it. Chris is guilty of it. We all are at points in time, but it's so easy to have a situation arise where you are upset at the other person, whether it's something that they did in the moment or a way that they hurt you in the past, because divorce doesn't happen because nobody got hurt. It just doesn't. Divorce is the result always. I mean, maybe there's an exception or two, but of both sides getting hurt in some way or another, whether it's the things that we do to each other or say to each other or whatever it is. And so that the ability to let go of the past or let go of where you feel like you were wronged, because I will tell you the three of us, all three of us in our own respective relationships felt wronged by the other person. And that's why our marriages didn't work out, you know, and we figure it's best to kind of let that go. When we let that guide us and we let that, that desire to seek revenge or the desire to be right to overtake the desire to actually do what's best for our kids. And we begin to use our kids as pawns. Um, that is when there is no happiness ever. And, and I, I speak from experience because I think we're all guilty at times of letting our feelings towards the other parent creep into what we say to our kids or how we treat a situation. And every single time without fail, I am reminded in one way or another, whether it's by the kids or by, you know, the end result of the conversation that that was not the best way to handle it. And what kids really want from us, they want to feel like they're not the cause. They want to feel like they're not involved with whatever issues are between mom and dad. They do. And it's, it's sometimes we have to learn the painful way and see our kids struggle in ways that maybe they wouldn't have otherwise had we kept them out of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Again, like you said, it, it's easier said than done, right? Like we're all human. We all have these emotions. How do you deal with that when, when that, those feelings come in and you're feeling hurt and your, your instant reaction is typically to go with your ego. Like how do you over, overpower that and come back to that headspace? Cause I think, you know, a lot of stepmoms in my community, they know that, and then they're in the, yeah. in the moment and the emotions creep in and then they're left yeah. feeling guilty afterwards. You know, that feeling when you're like, Oh yeah, shit, I could have done that. Like I should have done that. Yeah. I, totally, I shouldn't have said that. Shoot. Oh, trust me. I have had many moments where I've sent a text and been like, why did I send that? That didn't do anyone any good at all. And I'm going to regret this later. And I already do. Um, you know, I will say this, the, the whole phrase hurt people, hurt people is something that I have to remember. I do. And I think it's nice that the three of us all understand that, Derek, myself, and Chris. And if ever I feel like either of them are acting out in a way that is to hurt, in my mind, I have to remind myself, you know what? Hurt people hurt people. They're probably hurting from something right now. What can I do? I can either respond to this and think this is a me problem, or I can respond to it in a way that gives them a little extra love, gives them the benefit of the doubt because something's going on in their life that's causing them to, to react. And same, same. There have been plenty of times where I have lashed out or said something I shouldn't have to them. And the best result is when the recipient, either Derek or Chris on the other side, can recognize right away, 
okay, hurt people hurt people. Heidi's hurting in some way. Instead of just retaliating back and making it worse because that never happens, um, let me try and respond in a way that's compassionate and not condescending, not say, oh, someone's having a bad day because that doesn't do any good for anyone. You know what I'm saying? But also I have mm-hmm. to say, when I am happy in my own life, outside of Chris, outside of Derek, like when I am experiencing and feel like I'm living my purpose and I'm feeling joy, it is so much easier for me to handle an outlash or a lash out by one of the other, by my ex. It just, it really is. If And I, I'm saying this and I want to preface and say, they are so great to deal with, but we all have our things. We're all human, right? Um, mm-hmm. It is so much easier to handle something that might typically cause hurt feelings. If I'm like, gosh, you know what? I'm in a great place. I have great people in my life. I'm serving my purpose. It is so much easier for me to respond as a bigger person and just say, you know what? I'm not going to let this get to me. I'm not going to let this take me down to a level where I'm going to regret what I'm saying. And it is like, there have been times, especially in the thick of divorce for both, you know, Derek and Chris, but there, Chris and I have made it through this whole divorcing so well, but gosh, there were times where the both of us were like not wanting to deal with each other at all. And I remember there were times where I, he and I both, so I speak for him too, but I just had to eat my words and know that like there was nothing I could say that would help Chris feel better. And I'm sure he on the other end many times was like, there's nothing I could say to help Heidi feel better. So the best thing to do is not contribute to the the mess that's currently happening. But if to the moms listening, stepmoms, exes, whatever it is that are trying to find a way, if you don't have a purpose, if you don't have something going for you outside of that relationship that brings you joy that you can focus on, you are going to get caught into the drama of it. You are. So try to find something that brings you joy. Try to find something that can help you feel fulfilled and create purpose to where little things that are said by other people don't really hurt you anymore. Mm-hmm. That is so true. And I think the problem is for a lot of stepmoms and a lot of, you know, women, just because we're natural caretakers, right? Where it's so yeah. easy for us to dive in and try to make sure that everyone else's needs are taken care of. We make everyone else a priority. Yeah. And then when this extra stress comes, you don't have a reserve. You are so focused on all of the extra drama or conflict or challenges that yeah. have come up that you just get consumed by it. You're, you get just wrapped up. It's true. It is true. It it is really great too. For me, I have found when something comes through, I do, especially if it's something that makes my blood boil, I will not allow myself to respond right away. I will not. Mm -hmm. And so if it comes through at night at 8 PM, it's getting a response from me in the morning because I know what I say tonight to that person, to my ex, is going to be very different than what I would say after a good night's rest in the morning. Or if it comes through right when I wake up at 6 a.m., if I respond right away, I'm caught off guard. Give yourself time. Don't feel the need because you are us moms and really any dads listening to We are feeling the stress of so much. And so our immediate reaction is nearly always going to be very different than our reaction that was, has been given some thought. So mm-hmm. always that give thought so before true. you respond. Yeah. Yeah. That reminds me. So, uh, my husband's first wife would, she, we were talking the one time and she said something about the 24 hour rule, how she likes to give it 24 hours yeah. to respond. And Smart. Then, 
yeah, she and my husband were, were kind of just trying to work through some stuff. And I said, well, what'd she say? And he goes, she's not answering. I'm like, oh, she just 24 hour ruled you. It's a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) It actually is because the thing that would have come through in five minutes would have been like, F you, blah, 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 which is, it would not have been good. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. So you and Chris work together still. You still run your company together? We do. Yeah. And how is that? Has that been challenging throughout the divorce as your, you know, the dynamic of your relationship changes and then you still have the co-working, you know, relationship and you're still kind of trying to navigate all of that. Has that been difficult at all? What's so interesting is um, Chris and I have gone through, we were the best business partners for the first part, first half of our relationship. And over time, it actually, we got worse, right? And a lot of it was this muckiness and the expectation. And when the cancer was growing, blah, blah, blah. During the divorce, it was tough. But there, during the divorce, almost created like a healing path for us. Um, In that, the way that we respect each other now and listen to each other. And I could actually get a little bit emotional about it because it, it's so great. It's so similar now and maybe even better in ways to how Chris and I were at the beginning of our relationship. And so our ability to work together now is so much better, but there's also more of a, um, there's more of a differentiation between what we're doing. Like we're super clear on what our roles are and we live in different homes now. You know, It's like we have space from each other that we didn't have and when we were together, it was just so much mishmash and who does what and, you know, oh, she's stepping on what I'm doing and he's stepping on. There was so much of that, that there wasn't a delineation and we, neither of us felt respected for what we brought to the table to where now we do work together better. We do listen to each other. We do give each other space and we are super clear on what each of the other brings to the table to kind of make our company what it is. Um, so we're actually in a really great place and sometimes people just need that space. Mm-hmm. I love that. And it's, I, I like that you're saying it bring, it brought you back to what you were at the very beginning. Cause it sounded like you guys had this connection that it was like, we're going to make change and the mission is still the same. It's just the relationship has changed a bit. Yeah. Yeah, we did. And, and it's given us the ability to, you know, we, we transform over time. We do. And who, what our, needs are, our goals, our aspirations, our priorities are different. And that's something that Chris and I both realized throughout our time together. I mean, and and they're both so great. Like we both have the best of intentions and the best of priorities, but they are different. And, you know, Chris and his, his mission to change the world through now he's doing this great nonprofit, which I love that he's doing it. And I also love that I'm not a part of it because it is so down his alley. And for me, I, and, and, and Chris, you know, family, his two kids are everything to him. They are marriage just, it was never really a thing Chris wanted to begin with. Um, and it was a kind of the thing that I did, like for me, that marriage relationship that, you know, between a husband and a wife is so important to me. And then the family dynamic with the kids is so important to me so much more so than making change in the world. And I, appreciate that like I get to make change after I'm a mom and a, you know, a a wife first, like my family is number one and then the world can wait. The world is going to get awesomeness because my family's great. 
but it, that and that small ch- difference in priority was really hard for us actually it was really difficult where i you know i i wanted to feel more important than the rest of the world and sometimes i didn't and it's okay because that is what chris is he is here to make change in the world like he is unique and he is different and he's special and he's like blessed in ways that so many other people aren't and our split has allowed him to focus on what he's here to do on his purpose on this planet and it's not up to me to make you know to okay it or not but to respect it from where i'm at and then likewise i am able to focus on the things that i find most important do you know what i think is so beautiful about what you just said is that other people may have taken that exact same situation and feeling that way in their partnership or in their marriage and made that out to be a negative thing about the other person and you literally just brought out all of the positive aspects of that, of what oh, thank you. he is and his mission. And, you know, I've been thinking just a lot about everyone, especially in co-parenting relationships and all of that. And everyone has a journey that they're on with a yeah. mission and priorities. And we're all just kind of figuring our own stuff out. We are. And we are. it really is this process. And sometimes these relationships last and sometimes these you grow together and other times you just grow apart. Yeah. And that's okay you know what, you hit the nail on the head. And even you saying that, it makes me emotional because it really, and that was something I know towards the end, Chris was hard on himself and he'd be like, I'm just not balanced. Like I need more balance. And I remember sitting with him and being like, but what if you are? Like, what if this is your balance? And this is, I'm totally going to cry, but like, what if you're meant to be here to do all of these great things? And what if I'm just meant, like, if I can sit here and hate you because you're not giving me what I want. And you can hate me because I'm not supporting you the way that you want. But what if like we were brought together to create some amazing foundation and two of the most amazing kids to add to my other two, you know, and you now can go change the world. And I am the lucky person that has kids that have that man as a father and I get him as a friend, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I really do feel, and maybe this is your balance. Maybe your balance is you know, not getting any sleep, trying to change the world. Cause someone's got to do it. Like, so I just don't want to be it. I want to be with my kids. Number one, but I, yeah. I love that he is. And I, I love watching him do what he does. Well, and I think that's really important to remember too, like balance for you may look different yes. than balance for me. And I think it's yes. become this buzzword in society that it needs, it, maybe we need another word. I don't know, but it, it looks yeah. very different for a lot of different people. Like what brings you joy may not bring me joy and that's okay. Yeah. Rest looks different for everyone. You know, self-care looks different for everyone. There really yeah. is no one size fits all approach to it. I I agree. And I, I when I talk about balance, what are we achieving? Like, what are we all trying to get out of this word called balance? We're trying to find peace, right? Like everyone's trying to find peace and my peace might include happiness and joy and laughter. And your peace might include nobody around you or what Chris, you know, his, his peace might include, like, I know for him, we've had talks where he'll say, I'm, I, cause I've said to him, like, I love seeing, you know, you happier or, and he said, I think the right word is peace. Like I have more peace where I'm at right now. And, and it's because there's not like, he doesn't feel the obligation to be somebody that maybe he doesn't feel like he's on this earth to be. And that, that is his balance. Like that is the way that he's found balance. And same for me, like my balance is I have to feel 
like my kids are in a good place. Like they love me, like the people that mean a lot to me, my, you know, exes and my family care about, and I need to feel financially stable. So I have my own things that I will work for to create the thing, which I like to call balance that creates peace for me. But it is, it is different for every single person. Some people balance to them is, it just looks different for everyone. This episode is sponsored by Stepmom Magazine. Guys, Stepmom Magazine is probably one of the only stepmom resources that I check out on a regular basis. It is an online magazine with articles from all the top step parenting experts on all things stepmom life. If you've been through it, Stepmom Magazine has covered it. The articles inside Stepmom Magazine are written by a hand-selected team of experts. Contributors are licensed therapists and published authors and stepfamily professionals who just get it. Stepmom Magazine also has ebooks that you can download if you're struggling with a particular issue, such as disengaging or dealing with the ex or having an R's baby and more. It is a super cost-effective way to get support and most importantly, reassurance that you're not alone. It is such a great feeling when you get the monthly email letting you know that the monthly edition is ready. The articles are always so timely. To subscribe, head to www.stepmommagazine.com and use the code JAMIE20 to save 20%. Again, that's www.stepmommagazine.com and use the code JAMIE20 for 20% off. Now, thinking back to what you're talking about with just overcoming, you know, checking your ego, all of that. Do you, how do you guys handle apologies? Because I love that you're being real and saying it's not always easy. There's times when we react in ways that, you know, aren't our shine, shiniest moments or hurt people, hurt people. How do you come back from that? Cause I think that's, well, the ego obviously creeps in, in these situations, but it's like you act in a way you don't feel good about. And then sometimes you just get so stuck in it in that shame that you just, you don't even know where to go to make things better. What, what does yeah. that look like for you guys? <laughs> Cause I'm, I'm, I'm guessing there's forgiveness happening on a, like, you know, you're saying, I'm sorry, like I shouldn't have said that or, um, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah, there, there is. And it's actually different for both exes actually. Mm-hmm. So Derek and I, our relationship is more, like we got to talk things out and it's a little more serious in that way with regard to, you know, the sorries and apologies. Chris and I are like two kids and we, you know, fight, we do not fight for long. So we might be really upset with each other. And then literally 20 minutes later, we're on to something else. And then an hour later, we're joking about what we were fighting about. And that's just how Chris and I are. We're just like two kids with regard to that. Um, and I think it's just a personality thing. I think, um, Chris doesn't, I think there's in his mind, it's like he has bigger fish to fry than a fight, you know? And so he's like, eh, not worth it. Let's get over it. Kind of. A thing. And I'm kind of that way too. And Derek and I have, you know, we, we go back a lot longer. We've known each other for 20 years now. And so there's just a little more, um, you intention put into our discussions with each other. And so I think it's more of a personality thing. And for anyone listening, you kind of have to understand what your ex's love language is and how you, you have to think past what you need and you got to think about what they need. Like I know Derek needs more Mm -hmm. time and he needs more of a talk and a conversation and then he's good. And Chris, I know he needs the path of least resistance so he can be on his way and accomplishing his mission. And so we're just going to joke it off and let it roll off our back. It's so funny. That's how Darren and I are. That's my husband. Uh, (laughs) 
we'll be, we'll just be, we're both very, uh, we wear a heart on our sleeves. And so we'll just kind of say it like it is like, you're pissing me off. Like, why are you doing yeah. this? Da, da, da. And then like 20 minutes later, I'm like, you want to watch Dateline? Yeah. <laughs> like, do you want to watch <laughs> a movie? Not worth fighting. <laughs> are we done being mad yet? That's, <laughs> I am very much that way. And I actually, and that Chris had told me recently after the divorce, he's like, that was a really hard thing for me to like learn about you. Like you and I could be in an all out brawl. And then an hour later, you forgot that we were fighting and like you get over stuff fast, Heidi, but other people don't get over stuff as quickly as you do. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I had to learn that. And so if you're not that type of person, it's hard. Yeah. And, and I'm not like, I'm like, why, why, wait, why are we still mad? Like there's so much fun to be had. Let's go have fun. You know? I love it. Now, speaking <laughs> of fun, you are in a relationship with Dave Hollis now. I met Dave in Toronto um, a couple years ago. He is like, oh, no just has this vibe to him. Such a great energy. <laughs> um, always love Dave. Love his book. And you guys are freaking glowing. Like you <laughs> just seem like, like, yeah, this, the laugh and the giggling and all of that. And Here's my question for you, because this is a, yeah. you are in a special dynamic when it comes to your co-parenting relationship. What qualities were non-negotiable for you and a partner? Because this vibe is obviously something that's super important to you. So when you are, you know, going into a relationship, what were your expectations and non-negotiables from a new partner to fit into this situation, I guess? Number one, well, I mean, obviously, I, I, don't, I don't even know if I would say this is number one. So I'm not even going to say this is number one because the number one thing is whoever I was going to date or bring into this relationship um, had to love and respect both of my ex-husbands and all of my kids and my family and the people that matter most. That is a non-negotiable because I, I like... And, and Dave knew that from the beginning. He And he's just that kind of a guy. He is such a respectful human. Um, he's so kind. He is so loving. And he also luckily loves excitement. He's like, you know, at least we know we're always going to have something exciting with all of the exes and kids that we have. Like there's so much going uh-huh. on. So that is number one. Um, and then after that, I would say, of course, I mean, and this is a non-negotiable. They have to love me for all that I am, all that I've been, all the mistakes that I've made, all the great that I am, all the, and see the absolute best and be my advocate. Um, and I don't, I mean, truly, I don't think I've ever met a man that fits those things more than Dave. He is just, he, he's great. Like I've never had a defender like him. I've never had someone love my kids, uh, like no matter what. And it'd be so accepting of what, would be a train wreck for most people to step into. And he just loves me and it for all that I, and it is. Mm -hmm. That's so beautiful too. Like I just, and that takes such confidence, right? It takes a very confident and secure person to come into these situations. And, you know, I know for me as a stepmom coming into my relationship with my partner, like, man, I didn't think I was an insecure person until I found myself in this role and these insecurities I didn't know existed were creeping up. Right. And it it takes a lot of personal work to get to that place. So, you know, I do think it is a rare thing to find, but it's really, there's just so much personal growth in these situations. When you say like, you just, it's divorce and co-parenting all that. It's like life skills one-on-one. It is, it is. And you know, it's funny you say the confidence thing because I, he is, 
when I, when I first, he and I first started dating, we didn't tell the world for a while, actually. Oh, I bet. um, Yeah. It's a public, (laughs) you're, you're public figure, right? And I think there's a, there's an element of privacy. You can figure out your own stuff on your own first. Yeah. And you don't want to really say much until you know, it's here to stay for a while. You got to wait till you know, for a while, you know? Mm Um, but, but he, when we first started dating a couple months in, I mean, really for, for the first few months, I, there were a handful of vacations I was taking with my kids and my first ex and it like did not even phase him. Like it was, he's just so great and so trusting. And it really does take a confident man to know that I, you know, have, I have such good relationships with both of my ex-husbands and I spend a lot, I live, you know, a quarter of a mile from one, a few miles from the other. We're all always together. And I, there's never once been anything in him that has been distrusting or, anything. Like, never has he felt threatened, only supportive and only, you know, super cool with all of them. So, and all of the kids. So I, I am very lucky. You are very lucky. I will say you are very lucky. <laughs> now I want to switch gears and talk about you have two daughters. Yeah. First of all, your youngest daughter, what a spitfire that, uh, Instagram <laughs> video of her ordering the Starbucks. I was I dying. <laughs> I was just dying. She's so funny. I think, I think you're in for it with her. I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> now, what do you want them to know and understand about love and relationships and family just from your experience in life? I think one of the biggest things I want both of my daughters and my sons, but I think this is more of a a girl thing. I really struggled as a girl to like a younger girl. And even into my earlier and my adult years, it was really difficult for me to differentiate between loving somebody and having boundaries. Basically, you know, like almost it was my responsibility to be the good girl and give people what they want and make people happy and, you know, part of loving someone almost meant enabling them and, you know, having, creating, sometimes leading to toxic relationships. I want my daughters to understand how to love and also how to give tough love and how to set boundaries while they love. Uh, boundaries were very hard for me and still are sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I also want my daughters to know that they get to decide. I think I often was in positions with men in my life and even work things where it was like, I let other people decide what I was doing instead of stopping for a minute to think of what I wanted and feeling okay saying what I wanted, even if it meant hurting other people's feelings. Like that, that was a very hard lesson for me to learn. Um, And I, I was in a lot of relationships. And when I say a lot, this was, you know, my earlier dating years um, where I, felt too bad ever breaking anybody's heart because I wanted to be nice to everybody. And part of being nice meant saying yes to everything because I could not say no to someone and hurt their feelings. So that is something I want my daughters to feel okay with, setting boundaries and saying no and still loving. Yeah, I love that. I think that's so important. And I think that the conversation around or for women and for young girls, it's, it's changing, right? This is becoming more okay. Right. And for the longest time, you know, you, you, there was so much pressure around being the good girl and pleasing and making everyone happy and being the caretaker. And now it's so, I I love watching 
just the conversation changed about women being like, no, this is how it's going to be. This is what I want. And it's okay to say it. It's, it's, I love it. You know, it is. And I will say this though, too, even in that, because I've had my own awakening, even with the past, past year and a half, two years, um, learning to say no in business, for, for example, it's really hot, has been hard for me to say no in the nicest way. Um, and still be seen as the bitch. I'm just being honest. It's really oh. difficult because I'll sit there and be like, you know, if a man were to say exactly what I just said in the tone that I said it in with the intentions that I had, they would have been like the king of the conversation. Yet I said it so kindly, so eloquently, but I didn't cave to what this man wanted. And I am suddenly the bitch. So that that has been a really tough thing for me. I do see a lot of inequality with regard to that. So I, and I am, I am okay, you know, being that person and helping pave the way for future women to have a little more equality, because I do think there's still unfairness in it in this world. Oh, for sure. You know, we were just doing a renovation in our house and my husband wasn't around as much. I was here when the contractors were here and our contractor, I had asked for a couple things to be done. They weren't done a few times. It was super nice about it. Yeah. And I, I followed up. I said, sorry if I'm, I'm being a, a bitch about this, or I don't even think I said, but I don't even know yeah. what I said. And he's like, yeah, yeah. actually you are. Uh, oh, here's what you don't my. understand. And writes oh. me this, this is on text, which is always yeah. makes it a little bit worse. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa, <laughs> yeah. hold the phone here. And I actually yeah. wrote back and I said, I think you might want to check yourself on this, on Good. who's paying, like you're working yeah. for us. Yes. Right. We hired you for a job. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and don't talk to me like I'm the little wife. And it's interesting because my husband requested the exact same things. Yeah. Funny how they were done immediately. Right. You know, oh, a woman is an assertive yeah. and she's the bitch. A man is just a smart businessman. It's like, yes. So sorry. I, I'm just not around for that kind of stuff, right? Like, and I have no I, problem, like, like you're saying, being the bitch there yeah, and, and calling yeah. that out. I I agree. I agree. I love that you did that. Go you. Well, freak. Come on. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny because I then my husband actually responded and said, I don't know if you're getting the vibe here, but Jamie's actually making all the decisions here. Good. So you might want to just kind of listen to that. Yeah, like, good. No, thank you. Yeah. All right. So I want to switch gears. Yeah. Your work as a transformational coach. I was going yeah. through all of your stuff and, you know, this has been so great for me because I watched you on the show and then, you know, I was saying how I found you on Instagram and you found you so much more relatable, right? You only see so much on a show. Oh, and then even having this conversation, I'm like, yeah, you're just such, you're just the real deal. And I, and I love it. And, thank you, you know, diving into your transformational work and how you support people, What do you think, as someone who supports so many people in achieving their goals, what do you think is holding most people back? What is the secret to setting goals that stick? Because it's it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. I think the biggest thing that we have found, and this is not just with the people that we work with, but with myself as well, it's we often set goals that are so big and so unattainable that we fail within the first week or two of setting them. And that thing, it's, um, we, we lack a thing called integrity with ourselves. What is integrity? It's doing what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it, not just to everybody else, but to yourself first and foremost. And when we set these massive goals 
and we say, okay, I'm going to start this plan. I'm going to drink a gallon of water a day. I'm going to work out for two hours. I'm going to eat perfectly, eat A, B, C, D, E, F, G all day long. I'm going to do all of these things. It's great. And it sounds great, but we're not practicing a thing called realistic, you know, it's not realistic goal setting. It's not moderation. We might stick to it for a week or two. We might even hit our goal, right? But once we hit our goal, which is going to be a very short-term thing, us actually staying there is nearly impossible and we're going to bounce right back. But for most of us, it's, you know, we, we don't even get a week or two in. We don't. Mm -hmm. And every single time we set these goals and we fail, or we make these promises and commitments to ourselves and we fail, it chips away at how we feel about ourselves. We're essentially breaking our integrity. It's our inability to do what we say we're going to do to ourselves. And it takes us to a point where we don't believe in ourselves. We self-loathe. We hate ourselves. I mean, all of these things that make us feel worse and worse. And we stop making promises altogether. I mean, how many times have you said diet starts Monday or 2010, it's my year, 2011, it's my year. All of these Mm -hmm. things, they become these empty promises that don't actually end up happening because they're such big goals that we never broke down into smaller things. And if we can't, you know, keep these big goals, I mean, not if we can't keep the big goals, but when we don't keep the big goals, we stop believing we can do anything. So the fix for that we always have everybody back it up and break it down to one super simple, we call them power promises in transformation, one super simple promise, something that is so stupidly simple, you know without a shadow of a doubt, you can do it every single day. So like some of our people, our, their power promise might be move for five minutes a day. For others, it might be drink an extra quart of water a day. For another one, it might be something as simple as brushing their teeth in the morning. And I know that sounds so ridiculous, but does that have an impact on your caloric, you know, burn? No, it doesn't. But what it has an impact on is your ability to know that the words that come out of your mouth are powerful and you can actually follow through. So you get to check a thing off the list. And when you start making and keeping these promises to yourself every single day over a week or two weeks, you start to feel like a champion. We do a thing called keeping you winning. And when you know you can win, when you feel good about what you're doing and who you are, you can then add on another small promise. Maybe it's to add protein to every meal, or maybe it's to, you know, move from five minutes a day to 10 minutes a day of working out, essentially stacking these small attainable promises on top of each other until you can actually reach your goal. That's what, that's what works. That is so good. That is so powerful. My goal this week was to be spinning every single morning at seven in the morning. So I was like, maybe I should like bring that down a little bit because yeah. I'm not well, going to maybe do the 45 minutes. Let's go to the 20. Honestly, what you could do for that is say, if you want every single day to get on a bike, just get on a bike for five minutes every day. You can stay mm-hmm. on for 45 minutes. And if you do great, that's like icing on the cake. But if you hit five minutes, if you get on the bike and you're on the bike for five minutes and that's better this week than you were last week, you are winning. And then next week you can be like, Hey, I'm going to get on the bike for five minutes every day. One of the days I got to get on for 10. So you slowly just increase to it's, you get to check that item off every single day to show that you're winning. It's all about the mindset. That is so, yes, that is so good. All right. I have last question for you. And then I want to know where everyone can find you and how you can support women. So last question, what advice do you have for someone going through a divorce right now? Oh gosh, I think the biggest thing if you're going through a divorce is knowing this too shall pass. 
Like mm-hmm. I know when I was in the middle of it, both times, I felt like a crazy person. I did. I, fe- I had days where I was on top of the world and then I had days where I felt like the world was on top of me. And I didn't know in those moments if I was ever going to get through it, if I was ever going to feel normal. And it does not matter if you left a marriage or if a marriage left you. It doesn't. Either way, because I've been in both situations. I left one marriage and then the next marriage was not my choice to leave. And they both are equally as painful. In the situation where you have chosen to leave the marriage, there's guilt associated with the choice that you made to follow you know, your heart, right? Or your mind or whatever it is. And in the other, there's pain associated with not feeling like you're enough. And so knowing that wherever you are and whoever you are, you are good enough, you are worthy of love, you will find happiness again, And like in those moments of divorce, I know for me, one of the biggest things was taking as much time as I could to think through the life that I wanted in the future was really a big deal because there's, there's a major identity crisis associated with divorce. Um, No matter who you are, no matter how on top of the world you think you are, when it happens, you kind of lose track of it. And so take time to be with yourself and be with your emotions and let yourself cry and know that everything in the end will work out. You just got to be patient. Wow, that is powerful. Heidi, you are something else. You are a special, Aww. special person. I got to say, this interview definitely surpassed my expectations. You have you have a lot to share with the world. So thank you so Aww, much for coming you, on. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Now, where can people find you? Because I know everyone is going to be like, I'm going to need a little bit more of this. <laughs> <laughs> so on Instagram, I am real Heidi Powell, R E A L, and then my name, Heidi Powell. And then I, and same with Facebook. Online, my blog is heidipowell.net. And then I have, a, I mean, I, one of the things I'm the most proud of is my life coaching courses that I create. Under, it's remindwithheidi.com. Remindwithheidi.com. You can get it all there. All of that. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you so much, Heidi. You, you truly are something special. So I really appreciate your time today. Oh, thank you, Jamie. I appreciate your time. Okay, guys, if you like this podcast, please do me a little favor. Take a second and subscribe on iTunes and then screenshot this podcast. Give it a share in social media and tell your friends what you think. And hey, don't forget to tag me so that I can thank you for helping me spread the word. Thanks so much. And I will talk to you next week.